Hey, Jews and non-Jews too. This week, we're going to talk about French politics, and that always gets a little bit racy. So here is your obscenity warning. If that is problematic for you, if you don't want to go French, as they say, turn off now. Dude, you know, book tour, it's like rad, man. You like sleep at a Hilton Garden Inn and then you talk to 30 Jews. 30? Hello, Jews in 2017. This is Unorthodox. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, joined as ever by editor of the Deputy Persuasion, Stephanie Butnick. Hi. Writer of the Senior Persuasion, Liel Leibowitz. Alan, what's the Alan? Our Jew of the Week is H. Allen Scott, who is a Jew by choice and a Golden Girls fan by calling. Yeah, yeah. got that tattoo. It's <laughs> like any, the first thing we talked about. If any of you has all four Golden Girls tattooed on your upper arm, then you should know him because there are two of you in the world. So, Jews, what's up? Any news? Any news of these Jews? That like the three of us? News from the home front. I have Stefani. news, but I I thought I'd give you guys no, a chance. No, you don't want to know. Yeah, you well, to go with okay. You. Here's my news, Stefania. You owe Rebecca, my daughter, an email. I know. I'm working on it. Are you working on there it? There was ten questions. So what? And what did she write to you about? Fencing. I got the best email from Rebecca Oppenheimer. I like squealed when it happened. It was Friday. I'm not that late in getting back to her. By the time I I will she have written back. She is counting the seconds. I've, I will have written back by the time this episode airs. It was just like. A lot of questions about fencing, and I really want to give her good answers. That's so, hilarious because I thought she wrote you like one sentence, being like, "How do I become a fencer?" All right, so, no, so she was like, "I was like, oh, you must be an Oppenheimer." There's like ten bullet points and like sub bullet points, <laughs> and you're like ten. So here's what I'm gonna do: I'm gonna beat Stephanie to it. I'm gonna write Rebecca Oppenheimer a note and be like, "Swords are dumb. You know, it's way better way to kill people. Guns. Good. So, Rebe- so here's how you shoot people." Rebecca just out of nowhere the other day, about a week ago at dinner, says, "I think I want a fence." At which point, Sid and I look at her and say, why? She said, I just, I feel like I want something that's my own that I can just be really good at. That's exactly how I felt. Now, the thing is, Rebecca's good at everything. She's like, I, I mean, feel they, like the whimsical <laughs> quotient in this house is yeah, getting a needs, little bit too low. We need some twee. other twee shit to do. Maybe a sword in a That's ass. exactly right. Next thing, Ellie will be taking up badminton and backgammon. The Wes Anderson movie, you know, right. uh, yeah. contingency is Someone's getting Someone's definitely going to play bit. squash. That's like, right. Professionally. What's hilarious, what's hilarious is there's nothing in... Her, I, I don't even know where she learned about fencing as well. A, she did send me a fencing emo, uh, emoji that I had never even seen. It's like a full fencer. And I was like, How'd you find that? Well, so, what she learned you, from Stephanie That's Butnick. how she found it. But also, I feel like she has like an like 15 minutes of computer time every day at night. <laughs> so, if I'm not going to get that email to her by like 7 30, I may as well just wait till the next day. That's right. She has like half an hour of well, you know what she's using her computer time on now is watching Friends on, on Netflix, which she's that's going through all that she has ten to use seasons of. TV time, her computer time is TV time. Well, the iPad is is for everything now. So she yeah she's been watching every episode of Friends. She's in season two, episode twenty by now. She's very disappointed to find out that um, Schwimmer's lesbian ex wife disappears from the series. That that Ross is Susan. That yeah. Susan goes away. Susan and Carol well, she go comes away. Comes back every with the kid uh, every now and then. Every now and then has but, she gone to the kid yet? But, you should apologize yeah. to her for the nineties. Be like, I'm so sorry. We kind of had something to <laughs> do like, with that. Why is everyone wearing such horrible weird clothes? Decade. Did you ever read the Kurt Anderson piece about how the nineties, nineteen ninety six, was the best year ever? Yes, it's a very thoughtful piece because he says things like, "We had." We had mobile phones, but we didn't have smartphones. Like we had the we had the best of them, but not the worst. You right. could reach people on the run, but you weren't wasting your life staring at it. And he just and said, was like AOL, these, wasn't there? All of our yeah. delusions were just at the tipping point. Yeah. <laughs> all right. News of the Jews who are not in this room. 
briefly. We have a couple brief. This is the best week ever for Nintendo. Best. Brief oh, hits. Week. The brief hits in in any other week would, would be Diane. Diane, yeah. <laughs> right? First of all, Schneer Odza, the British rabbi who we remember because the spirit animal of unorthodox uh, of two-thirds of unorthodox of two-thirds of i've unorthodox. always stayed out of the schnur schnur Re- remind us why schnur Otsa has been on the show he before was a ukip uh he was a like a candidate for parliament in the uk and for the right-wing party and he basically was like caught on facebook or, no posted sorry posted a video of himself on facebook burning a yeah, Schneer was not uh, caught. Bi- like advertised. A, a, like, a, like a missionary Bible yes. that was yeah. found well, in his synagogue. The Jews for Jesus had left a New Testament in his synagogue and he, he burned d- it. Burned it. With like Facebook. a sassy comment about like, finally I have something to burn my famets with. And you know Passover. what's really sassy is now Schneer Oates is in the news for having been caught having a sex partner who's not his wife. It was a bondage partner whom he met on the great website fetlife.com. Not a sponsor yet. He had posed, according to the Daily Mail, so is this where we're getting our stories from now? Yes, yes, always. According to the Daily Mail, he had posed on his profile as a Roman Catholic priest. And this is the real kicker. He had sent her sexually explicit texts on Shabbos. Next time you want to have an uh, illicit sexual bondage-themed relationship with someone over the internet, wait until after Havdalah. That that is the takeaway. Well, after Havdalah yoga, after Havdalah yoga, it's a great Sunday place to meet is someone. when you could pretend to be a Roman Catholic priest and send yeah, that's someone the weirdest totally part. offensive. Like, you got message. some crazy stuff going on. I in your love. Head. Why I not love be it. the chief rabbi of Israel like, in your in your sexual <laughs> fantasies? They get way yeah. better clothes. He's also right? like self hating. It turns out he uh, be like, yeah, call, well, call me Ovadia. Uh, <laughs> All of the best news is coming from across the pond this week. Zionist death bores, according to IsraeliCool.com. What are our standards here? We're getting our news it's, from I think it's IsraeliCool.com. I quote from IsraeliCool.com. A 10-year-old Palestinian girl was hospitalized Friday night after a wild boar attacked her in the town of Al-Yamun, northwest of Jenin, in the northern occupied West Bank. With locals saying that the incident was a result of Israeli settlers deliberately releasing wild boars in the area. ZDBs. Zionist death boards. Zionist death boards. Highly trained. Now, here's my question. I saw this on Twitter. It was retweeted from a tweet from the Mossad. Does the Mossad really have a Twitter account? No. No. Okay. (laughs) Because literally their bio was like, follow us to learn more about our missions. That's right. (laughs) And I was like, this seems weird. And, They're not and, verified. And weird animals. Zionist You're not death. verified. So, no. okay, let's get this straight. There are definitely boars there. <laughs> I'm not laughing about this because this is a girl who got act- – this is like an actual girl who got actual hurt by an actual boar. Who got bored. The question is whether the boars are part of like a Zionist conspiracy. But can you – are there just b- wild boars roaming? Yes, there are. Okay. Is this like lost or something? No. It's just it, – It's the West Bank. It's just nature. So – you're saying as a former member of the IDF, you never took part in any secret plots to release wild boars to terrorize Arabs. First of all, this is very observant because uh, the Israelis is a quick lesson about Israeli national security. There, there are two parts, right? So the Mossad would train, say, dolphins and, and hawks, stuff like that. Vultures, the IDF yeah. is <laughs> way more, way more low key, right? The IDF trains like boars. Like, that's what the budget allows. <laughs> they don't get that kind of cash required for, like, a dolphin with a freaking laser beam. They just have big pigs with tusks. Anyway, we wish we wish the girl well. We do. I mean, it, but we blame the boar, not. And as for the boar, come on, dude. Dude. Do as you were trained. Don't make the Jews look bad. Yeah. All Your right. training was very specific. <laughs> we specifically told you no children. No children. Come on now. All right. 
According to the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, the, all the news is from Israel this week. Cafe Cafe, one of Israel's largest coffee house chains, is now offering a 25% discount to customers at its 157 branches who say please and thank I you. I love this so much. When ordering a regular size cup of coffee. It may as well be 180% discount. <laughs> it may as well be we give you no. $1,000. It's not going to happen. Having just been in Israel in March, I didn't find people as rude as Israelis in America claim Israelis back home are. I thought you were going to say as rude as Amer- <laughs> Israelis in America are. Because uh, my question is, but, uh, would, that work, rude Israelis in America. would that Lama. work better in New York or like in Tel Aviv? Because I don't, everyone's so rude here. Oh. Really? I don't know. People go into Starbucks with this like subdued attitude. I disagree. Like, it's like, you spelled I, my name wrong. Can I have a grand mocha frappuccino, please? So you don't think it's going to work? Uh, never in a million years. All right. Um, also, I think it's very charming. Is, oh, every one of our and stories. And by the way, is what, what a great like 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 mind control exercise. Like you could just get customers to do whatever you want by offering them. And a like eighty percent uh, of you sing the Marseillaise. Like, you know, why not? <laughs> just go ahead. All of the good news is from Israel this week. Super pregnant Haredi woman goes to Justin Bieber concert, gets really excited, gives birth. Ruth Riskin of B'nai Brak, uh, who would not let the newspaper show her picture for reasons of of modesty was nevertheless immodest enough to love and publicly love the Beeb and then go into labor. You know, believers are At, everywhere. He was singing, oh, baby, 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 baby. Mark doesn't know what that is. Nope. Wow. He was like, what do you mean you're going to labor? Where would is I... it too late now to say someone call an ambulance? I could do this all day. Are these Bieber illusions? Yeah. Do you think she's going to name him Justin? She did. She wanted to. <laughs> she said if had it been a boy, because she didn't know the gender. She said, had it been a boy, he would have been Justin... Justin Shlomo <laughs> Colstein, right? But it was a girl, so she named her Hadar, which is very beautiful, but sucks for her because she went into labor literally as the first song started. Oh, she's like, doing Justin this. went on stage. He's like, baby. And, and the woman's like, yeah, baby. <laughs> We're leaving right now. No, seriously, baby. Yeah. If Justin has any class, he will like sign... Yeah, he'll come for the bris. He'll, yeah, he'll perform the bris. <laughs> Except it's a girl. That's but right. If, but if we're a boy, he'd be there. He'll be at the at the naming at the naming. He'll That's be at, he'll at, be at our bat mitzvah. That's right. <laughs> at, he'll, he'll be like a hundred by then. Much as we should be at little um, Lily and Steph, Lily and Stephanie McGee's bat mitzvah. Yeah, which is this God, week. Next God week? No, it's her. next. It's, it's next Memorial month. Day. We're sending her something. It's, a it's little always, something. Always in our minds and hearts. And our favorite story of the week, Liel. This is the one that was special for you, straight out of France. Oh, uh, we. Ah ouais. Ah ouais. Qu'est-ce qui se passe en France cette semaine so, si... so, Monsieur Macron. Macron. The, the new prime, uh, the new uh, leader, the new Napoleon of uh, oui. France. Oui. Um, so he has a wife who, who we all know and love, who's, you know, 68 years his senior. Uh, and was his high school teacher. He's not 68 years his senior. No, she's she's 73 <laughs> years older than he is. <laughs> she's 120. Uh, she's 136. She's as old as Justin Bieber will be at that girl's That's moment, exactly so. right. Uh, and yeah, she was his high school uh, teacher. And he has a very special nickname for her. Her, her real name is Brigitte. Brigitte. And, and guess guess what he calls her ten- oh, tenderly tell while, us, while love tell making. Bibi. Oh no. Wow. Bibi, mon petit chouchou. <laughs> Let me invade your West Bank, Bibi. Can you imagine? This is the first time that any European leader says nice things about Bibi. Bibi. <laughs> I think that may actually be a key to like solving the Middle East. And her nickname Call for him it. is Dudu. Arik. <laughs> <laughs> is it Naftali Bennett? Bougie. I mean, but can their relationship survive this? 
half. I mean, like, I don't know. I think this is going to really put a strain on it. She's going to be like, don't call me BB anymore. Here's the question. What does no, Jeremy Corbyn like, call his wife? Call, call me BB. BB, 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 oh. Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamu, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. We'd like to welcome some new subscribers to our newsletter. This week, it's the law firm of Deborah Marks, Robin Hoffman, Alec Rogers, Grant Blumberg, Eric Leiterman, Talia Noodle, and Janet Atchison. Talia Noodle is an interesting one. Does either of you know why she's an interesting one? Is she the older sister of Mr. Noodle, Elmo's friend from Sesame Street? I like where your <laughs> head's Ju- at. The Jewish Noodle. <laughs> She's the one who went full yeshiva in Israel and be like, I'm not doing, you know, mime with puppets with anymore. With puppets anymore. I'm done. I'm going to the promised I've land. I've discovered the Torah. Rehov Tzimtzum. Yeah, Mazer Rehov Tzimtzum. I'm uh, with so the Talmud now. So she's from the Dell family of, you know, computing fame. And she was like so sick of those kids appearing on like rich kids of Instagram and just like making a fool out of themselves. She's like, I'm the new Dell. That's right. That's who I am. Stephanie's correct. And of course, she originally was Tammy Dell. But then when she got upset with her family and went Nudel, she also got more religious and took the Hebrew-ish name Talia. So yeah. she's Talia no, she's Nudel. definitely very, very religious. She's doing a year in yeshiva right now. Yes. And she actually is going to be <laughs> underwriting our show in the future. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Talia. To get the newsletter, sign up at tabletmag.com or send an email asking for it to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Send a picture of yourself as well. Send send a picture of yourself with a cake that says unorthodox and we'll put it in the newsletter. If you like three morons making fun of your name in a juvenile way, we got got a podcast for you. Yeah, if high school wasn't enough for you. (laughs) That's right. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine free podcast. Rate us on iTunes. Don't miss an episode and recommend us to a friend because as we've discussed before, if we have enough subscribers – you will pay for um, all of us to have more children and then – And every like 10 subscribers is, is a boar, is one boar. Is That's one right. boar. That's right. We and, plant in Israel. Uh, Liel is actually – if we get to 50,000 subscribers, Liel's giving up his guns, right? Sure. Okay. Really? 50,000? 50,000. You'll give up your guns? Make it 100,000. No, let's make 75. 75,000? You got it. All right. There we go. What are you going to give up? <laughs> For Lent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what should I give up? I don't know. You have like literally zero vices, except for your poker game. Well, and Or you the, just like talk about masculinity. The fact that I'm an online correspondent with Schneer Oza. I mean, you don't even know. That's true. You don't know the half of it. So... Uh, I don't know, but if we'll you come up with, we'll come up with some, something each of us has yeah. to do for the common good if we get to 75,000 subscribers. Inshallah. Inshallah. Our Jewish guest is a comedian and writer H. Alan Scott. Uh, he was 
raised Mormon, but is now a Jew. He's now one of us. So first of all, welcome. Thank Mazel you. Tov. Welcome, Jew. Thank you. Welcome, I appreciate it. Yeah. I feel so alone in my blue eyedness. Yeah, you're, you bring <laughs> a lot of... You've got, you got oh, a you brother have blue there. Eyes too. Yeah. You bring an important level of Aryanness, just That's like right. with, your, with your general I am look. German very much Liel is, as well. Like is, the bad kind? Yeah, well, I, probably. If you look too deep, don't... I, I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. You're ours now. I mean, never, I don't talk to them, Never look clearly. a gift German in the mouth. That's what I've been told. We'll take allies where we can get them. Oh, <laughs> allies. We brought that up. But, brought not, but not the Axis. That's right. So, okay. Why Why Judaism? Oh. <laughs> like, why? Why? You, you converted. You're right, by you, choice. We have yeah. no choice. Yeah, we have no yeah. choice. We have no choice yeah. in the matter. Nothing yeah. we can do you about could it. Be, you could be a Unitarian. I could be, but that would be... No no offense, be boring. Boring as shit. Yeah. yeah, but some people do it. I like, mean, no, that doesn't work At what for point me. were you like, I think I'm I'm a Jew? Well, okay, so my my storyline is, is sort of unique in that, like, I was this Mormon kid who sounded very Jewy, who was, like, obsessed with these, like, Jewish comics and Jewish writers. And, and like, our Christmas film was Funny Girl. Like, that's what we would watch. And I was obsessed with uh, Bette Midler, and I was obsessed with all these people. And Nora Ephron, I could not get enough of. And, like, <laughs> I mean, I just, I was obsessed. I was such a weird little kid. And, and they're like, where did he come from? And when I was going through my baptism for to become a Mormon, which is similar to the mikvah in that you're, you're dipped in a body of water, except there are... Uh, white men with you in that water. Is and there locks afterwards? No, no. No. So there's lots of jello. <laughs> jello. We like jello as Mormons. Um, but I, uh, yeah, and I, 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 I knew it was a bad idea even then. Like they delayed my baptism a couple How of years because I had so many questions. Happens. I was 12 years old okay. when I was baptized. A couple of years after Mormon boys are usually baptized, you know, and there was this missionary, the missionaries in the Mormon church. Ooh. Some good-looking men. They are not and ugly. They're not ugly. I mean, some they're of them not are, ugly. but, like, many of them are not. And, and, the ones and they're the, at that, like, cute age, too. Right. Yeah, they're at that perfect age where, like, there's no fat. I, I was not that child. I was an obese 12-year-old. And this beautiful specimen of a human being, blonde human being, was holding my arms and dipping me into the water. <laughs> and all I'm thinking, I'm not thinking about God. I'm not thinking about the celestial kingdoms. I'm not thinking about any of these things. I'm only thinking that my head is like an inch away from his dick. And, and I, you were like, I have to leave. I like knew, you weren't like, well, I didn't know this I, could be for I, me. I, I didn't know anything I think else. Maybe a gay Jew. No, I didn't know anything else. Like honestly, I did not know anything else. The, I had only been there was one Jew in town, and I only I went to his bar mitzvah, and that was the only experience I had with Judaism. And at that bar mitzvah, my mother before I left played a practical joke on me and told me that they circumcised the boy at the bar mitzvah, knowing that I would go around and tell every single person there that Steve was about to get circumcised. And and then, of course, I went up to his mother during the bar mitzvah and was like, I can't see this. I can't yeah. see him get circumcised. Today. Mrs. Silverman, I'm <laughs> very like, squeamish. She's like, we never should have moved here. <laughs> no, she, she dragged me issue. to another group of women around her age and was like, say exactly what you just told me. And they all started laughing and stuff. So that was the only experience I had with Judaism. And then as I got older, I started realizing that a lot of in college and afterwards, I started realizing that a lot of the questions I had when I was younger and all of these influences that I had were all Jewish influences. And I, it just sort of came that, oh, I guess I'm kind of Jewish and I didn't even know it. And then when I was 30, I, I got cancer and it wasn't, I didn't convert because of that, but it was sort of a catalyst in some ways because I, I, when my twenties, I was like, I will just marry a Jew someday. And that's sort of what I will do. And then when I got cancer, it was just like, 
I should probably just do this for myself. I could be my own Jim. Yeah. Right. I, I don't have to wait for someone to do this for me. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how it got there. When you say that some of the questions you were asking were Jewish questions, what what were they? I was angry and confused by the obsession with heaven and the obsession with what happens after we die. I don't understand. For me, like living your life and being a part of a religion that is consistently only about heaven is like living your life as if you're going to win the lottery. So like you're buying really expensive stuff just because you think that maybe you might win the lottery someday. Like there's no fact that that exists and that just, it seemed like you were wasting a lot of time working on something that doesn't, you don't know anything about when you could actually spend some time on the community around you. Like that's, that's kind of, there was a disconnect there that I didn't quite get, Mm -hmm. you know? And also I had a lot of questions about God and I had a lot of questions about, well, there's no fact proof of that. So like, why, why are we, why are we talking about that? I don't think I believe in God. Well, welcome to Judaism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's sort of what I love most about Judaism is that I can question things. Mm -hmm. Like the questioning is such a huge part of it. How did it go down with family, friends, the announcement Um, that you were decamping? Yeah. It wasn't so much, the decamping wasn't as big of a deal because as soon as like the gay thing happened, they were like, oh, well, I guess that's over. (laughs) You know, like that was the Mormon thing was a, you know, that was an afterthought. And the gay thing happened. Yeah, when did you come out to them? Um, my uh, my coming out is was pretty eventual. Like it wasn't. There was never like a time that I came out. Um, it. I mean, it was also pretty obvious. I mean, I was obsessed with Bette Midler. Like, <laughs> it like should not have come as a surprise. I have the Golden Girls tattooed on my arm. Like, there's a reason why. Right, but Mormons don't read. The thing about really straight people is they don't read signs like That's that. That's true. So... That's true. But my mother, she knew from and my mom as a from a very young age would always say to like me and my brothers, when you guys grow up and have kids, and she looked at me and go or adopt. Like there was always <laughs> like there was always a caveat for me. So like. I'm very grateful to my mother for being very aware of that. When you grow up and have kids or a small dog. Yes, yes. Or a small dog, maybe a Chinese child, whatever. Um, And so I never really had to come out. But the the, the coming out as a Jew was probably a little bit more complicated because my mother's reactions – weren't as enthusiastic like it'll i would say something and she would be like oh well that's interesting like it was it was like that passive sort of judgment in a way it wasn't quite was it that you were sort of giving up this thing that was so inherent in your family yeah i mean i can see it as being a rejection in a way of something that very deep down that you've given to your child it's like you weren't just saying like I'm going to be a lapsed Mormon. Like, I'm never going to be into this. Like, there was something that, like, you still wanted some spiritual fulfillment. You just sort of weren't yeah. getting it in and the I, right place. I, I wanted spiritual and community. I mean, the community and the cultural aspect is such a huge part of it that I think a lot of sort of birth Jews sort of take for granted mm-hmm. in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um because that community is just so a part of your identity, you know? Like, yeah, I'm like, stop bothering me. Exactly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> why is everyone, totally. Yeah. Like why does my, everyone want to know my, who I am? My best friend in the world is Elliot Glazer. And he often talks about, you know, he grew up Jewish. And he and his family was definitely sort of my Jewish sort of postcard, if you will. Like, he was sort of the person that I would turn to a lot. And, and for him, like, the idea of growing up Jewish and having like the mother who's always sort of on you. And the that's just a very sort of annoying thing. Whereas for me, I come from a very passive family. I mean, very, very sort of white Christian sort of passive, like no fighting. Everyone eats dinner in their rooms and it's, that's just what they do. In front of the TV. God yes, damn it. exactly. Yeah. And I needed that community. <laughs> and jello for dessert. Jello for dessert. Jello molds with pears floating inside. Um, no, I, I would, I needed that community, especially after chemo. I needed there was like a there was a, a drive in me to like have some sort of 
structure in my life that it, everything was in chaos and I needed something to sort of ground me in some way for the eventual possible child in my future or for whatever identity I was trying to go for. That was the only thing that felt comfortable. And I was just telling last night um, a, a friend that one of the best decisions I've made in the past few years, one of the calmest decisions I've made. I have anxiety over everything, but I don't have any anxiety over the decision to convert. D- did we deliver for you? Because I sometimes worry that Jews <laughs> Don't. Is this, I'm sorry, is this a customer service? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you rank your One of the things you were seeking was something that I do think Judaism gives at its best, which is a sort of like unquestioned, not, I mean, it's complicated and can be fraught, and sometimes families want to kill each other, but like a sort of unreserved sense that that we're family and we're bound to each other, like it or not. And therefore, when one of us, for example, loses a testicle, you still yeah. have one, right? One, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that we're there for you. Mm-hmm. And, but I worry that sometimes we're not. That in fact, you know, I, as a journalist, I sometimes walk into big mega churches to do a story and you get just love bombed and you get 50 dinner invitations and, you know, little cards afterwards and little crocheted things to hang on your fridge yeah. with cliched sayings. And, and I think, well, we, Jews actually aren't as good at that piece of it as we should be and i just i hope there were some jews who like brought you a casserole or something yeah yeah no there definitely were and and i i think i think jews are better at that than we give them credit for i think there's a stereotype in sometimes of the jewish community and and in terms of sort of i mean christian churches definitely have a means of sort of like gathering the community when someone has some big problem but i found that Jews were very they, – they, they, they just cared about what I right. was going through and, and respected – Because it's like an actual family. You yeah. hate three-quarters of it. Yeah. Most of the time, yeah. you don't want to spend any time with it. But like when you really need it, they'll be like, okay, well, we're kind of here for you because yeah. we have no choice. Yeah, really. totally. There'll be no casseroles or cliché, <laughs> crocheted, anything. But, yeah, the swag's hey. not great. No, no. The swag is no. not great. But the better. food – I like the food. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the conversion process like? Is the asking three times thing, is that real? Uh, it's not real within the reform movement. Uh, it was a pretty simple process. Um, it was long. I mean, it was like a year long, but it was a pretty simple process. So I found this really great temple in Los Angeles called Temple Akiba. It's um, the rabbi is Zach Shapiro. And uh, it's, it's a gay rabbi. It's a mixed sort of, you know, temple of all different types of people. And and. I basically worked with him throughout the year. I went to, I did an intro to Judaism class with him and, and I did, you know, the mikvah with him. I did everything with Zach Shapiro and I can't thank him enough. And, you know, he was great. What surprised you? Was there anything like a reading or a thought? Say, oh, fuck that didn't occur to me. The mikvah was the most surprising thing. Really? Um, Because I... Different from the Mormon... Yes, very different. It was very, very different because... There, so I'd gone through this. I mean, you know, I'm a reader and a writer, and so like the class part was like up my alley. Right. Like I, I could handle book work, you know, and reading. Um, but the uh, the but water, that's a whole no. different water. Story. I don't. I hate the beach. I hate. Well, you're the definitely beach. Jewish. Yes. Um, no, it was it was definitely it was an experience. Like I, I often say, like I have words for everything. You know what I mean? Like I, I have something to say about everything. But the mikvah, I have so little to say because I just – it took my breath away. I don't understand. There was something different about going into those waters and the ritual of the steps and the and the everything that it, it – the water being what it is and everything and having my rabbi there and having some really close friends there that were with me throughout this whole process. And there was a moment afterwards where I'm left alone and I started to have sort of a panic attack because I, I was – I kept thinking, like, 
literally like, am I in too deep? Like, did I, is <laughs> this something happening here that maybe, did I make the wrong decision? Like, is this, have I got, have I taken this too far? And I was just sort of sitting there having this thought. And then it like struck me that like, it wasn't so much that I was, that I made the wrong decision or that I did anything wrong. It was that literally I was surrounded by the Jewish community, past, present, everything in that water. And it was that panic was that experience, that feeling of sort of being immersed in this decision that feels so right, literally immersed in it. And, and it's a scary thing because you take on a lot. I mean, it's a lot to be a Jew. There's a lot of weight to being a Jew. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. And, but it's also amazing. And being in that water and feeling that sort of crush of the panic was that, was that, that feeling of, of literally being a Jew. And I love the cyclical closure that you get from, you know, the journey beginning with a baptism gone awry yeah. <laughs> yeah. and ending with a mikvah dunking gone, right? Yeah. We talked to Chris Knoxon, who also converted to yeah. Judaism, and he let us in on the ritual bloodletting. Yes. I gotta ask. Like the prick. Yeah, the prick. Yeah. It wasn't so bad. I mean, it's just a little prick. I had spent a year getting poked every single day to have... <laughs> An IV put into me. So, like, a little prick on my dick? Like, please. please. Is there a point where they, like, on that. do they, like, ask if you're circumcised, like, in yeah, the so process? My, my rabbi kind of brought it up in, in, in a very cute, uncomfortable way. Because it's, like, one of those things that, you like, you don't encounter a lot of sort of, like, I mean, I guess there are some men who, like, you know, marry Jewish women who want to go through the process. I... I don't know. It it wasn't a big deal for me. And and uh and I think it's a good thing. How do you ask? He kind of asked in like a I he mean sidled he just, up to he sort of <laughs> he was just sort of embarrassed about it because it's like, you know, you're talking to a stranger about their anatomy yeah. and asking something that I mean, for me, isn't personal because, like, I'm just waiting for my iCloud to get hacked. Like, I'm just put it out there, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't give it away. And and yeah, so like, you know, I was totally comfortable with it, but he was definitely sort of like, so now you're going to have to have, you're going to have, and it was sort of, he was trying to find the words and I was like, oh, I'm circumcised. I'm good. I just, I'm, I just need the little thing. You know, my, yeah. the rabbi who married me and Sid had a moment, you know, I called her, I hadn't seen her for a number of years. I had known her in college and we, and I called her and I said, Rabbi Sharon, you know, will you, I'm getting married. We'd really like you to do the wedding. My, my fiance and I, she and I have. You know, I've told her all about you. And there was – and so we're chatting, we're chatting. And then there was this moment. There was this long pause. She said, well, I do have to – and I realized she was trying to ask, is your fiancé Jewish? Because this is a rabbi who doesn't do intermarriages. Oh. And she was trying to be gentle and loving and compassionate. And if it's I had like, said – where is she from? Yeah, there were, right. There was a little of that like, so what's her name? Well, her name is Sid. Well, so where is she – right. There was a little like, where is she from? Tell me a little about her. And I was like, oh, what's oh. What's your favorite TV right. show? <laughs> exactly. So I was like – Oh, she's Jewish. She's, oh, okay. That's what I <laughs> I thought you were going to say that the rabbi was asking if, whether you were circumcised. Yeah. I was yeah, like, why that does that matter? A, that doesn't matter. Yeah. That would have been an uncomfortable conversation, I yeah. bet. Yeah. I, I, I am, FYI. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So we do you are. ever feel yeah. like, as a convert, I'm going there, the Holocaust, yeah. part oh. of being Jewish to me is being born with this, like, <laughs> it took, kind it took 40 of, minutes yeah, today. Yeah. It took a while. Everyone drank. But being <laughs> born with this kind of innate sense that... Things could go really bad yeah. again. Yeah. And and I know things are great right now. I'm not I'm not like not a, that great. Well I'm not you know, I'm not an alarmist. Yeah. So are you afraid but, of but the going? No, but but so, <laughs> but so but part of to me what is so inherent to my Judaism is like knowing that like if there's a list, I'm on it. Yeah. You know, like 
you sort of have this and mentality. high up on it with oh, a name yeah. that starts with B. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. God, I'm alphabetically at the top. I have a podcast. <laughs> you so, go way before I go. But so, <laughs> but so, I mean, do you feel like have you gotten that? Like, I, I'm yeah. always sort of. I don't have a bag no, packed, but I always really, sort of know what's in my go bag. Are we yeah. really assuming yeah. that like the the new Nazis are going to be go like alphabetical? Yeah, no, they're no, very organized. I get it. I get, un, I get it. There Do you is, feel scared yet? There, no, I don't feel scared. But I there is so I've always kind of been an outsider, and I think the 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 great thing about being Jewish is that we find strength in our minority status, and there is there is a strength in being an outsider because outsiders have a perspective that the major general public often doesn't see because we're coming from the outside. And as a Mormon, it's a very niche, controversial religion, even within Christian communities, and so I grew up having that stigma on me, uh, being a gay person in a, in a community that wasn't necessarily incredibly accepting to I'm from Missouri. Um, I had that going for me. My political beliefs when the small community being a very sort of like liberal Democrat in these small communities was a controversial thing. So I've, I've taken strength out of being an outsider and be taking sort of not a contrarian point of view, but an outsider point of view. And, and I think cancer in some way helped me understand that like, Shit can happen at any moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, my reality could change in a second. And it does sometimes. I feel like you're, like, the healthiest Jew. Like, me- like mentally, like, this. this I've never <laughs> heard like anything a, so like articulate and Don't look at my rational. browser history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's on the cloud. I'm going to see it when they yes. hack it. <laughs> yeah. Do you think becoming Jewish has made you funnier? Uh, and did you expect to become funny, like, no. coming out of the mikvah? Sort of the way some people convert, <laughs> some people convert to get the financial secrets. Yeah. Like, I am in Los Angeles, guys. Control. Let's be real. Let's be real. I'm living in Los Angeles. Um, no, he I don't... tried Scientology for the career connections. <laughs> that didn't work. They have a great brunch in L.A. If you guys ever come out to L.A., I'll take you to the Scientology okay. brunch. It's delicious. Just Is there don't locks? Take any, don't sign anything. <laughs> don't sign anything unless you're making a $5 billion year contract. Um no, I uh, I don't think it made me funnier. I think it 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 sort of it, it literally just solidified everything that I was before I converted because everyone was confusing. My entire time in New York, I spent ten years in New York performing. Everyone thought I was Jewish in high school. Everyone thought I was. I mean, it's like there's a there's a theme. There's a reason why I converted because everyone just assumed it anyway. Did you convert? And then people were like. Wait, no, wait, yeah. what? Everyone <laughs> thought I was Jewish. Everyone thought I was Jewish. It was so funny. Like, several people in my personal life, outside that, everyone just assumed I was. So it's like both of your coming outs were sort of just like... Right. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. Settled. Oh. we're settled then. We all knew. Uh, <laughs> you seeing anyone? No, single. Who, what's your type? Alive, breathing. Um, no, what is my type? I, I, I always think, like, a big thing in L.A., I've been going on a lot of dates with men who don't drive, and in Los Angeles, like, how do you do that? Like, how do you... I'm not going to be your Uber. Like, that's not what this relationship <laughs> is. Um, be able to get from point A to point B without burdening me. Man. Like, that's, a, that's an important first step in dating. You, uh, the bar is really high. I know. So... Uh, if we could talk about me for a second. Yeah, um, the please. first thing I need to say is that my dad went to see Bette Midler at the Continental Baths in uh, maybe 75. Is with that gay? Yeah, he's not. his <laughs> father's also gay. This, this, <laughs> but this, we're, we're getting around it. My dad's not. He's just very comfortable with who he is. And he and some I of his love friends. love your father. He and his friends. I think, I think John Levy probably went. Wow. Who's very comfortable oh, with yeah, who he is. Oh, yeah, he's not John Levy. He's John Levy. John Levy, right. <laughs> who wears leather pants from his wife. His wife owns a boutique. And John will walk in and be like, I need some pants today. And take the women's size, whatever. Anyway. I think I know, we know where this is going. We know where this is going. So, they, so my dad, so apparently, I think maybe there was a straight night or something or a not 
not as gay night. And you mean the DL night? The That's DL what it was. <laughs> Down low so night. So my dad has seen. So let me just establish my street cred. Yeah. right there. Oh, this I'm is feeling it. Multi generational, but. You know, I don't have the Golden Girls tattoo, but I yeah. certainly circa 88 when I was 14 yeah. years old. How old are you, by the way? We the same 34. 34. Okay. So this yeah. was before your t- – this is retro for you, the Golden yeah. Girls. Oh, okay. yeah. But I grew up with it too. Okay. I was a so, weird kid. You know, I liked Golden Girls. Weird little Jewish boy. Yes. <laughs> for, for three – Watching Estelle. <laughs> for three years in my adolescence, my birthday uh, present was my dad would take me to New York to see three musicals in a weekend. We'd go like <laughs> – Friday night, Saturday matinee, Saturday night. <laughs> you're so he gay. wants to know if you're and free tonight. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there were uh, there were Stephanie. Let's leave. So, <laughs> here's my question. Let's 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 here's let's my question. Let's see what happens. So here's my question. And they yet, for not together. for not one second did I think I was gay. And I'm not. Yeah. And I didn't yeah, yeah. like. He has a car. That, right. I have yeah. a, a Prius. <laughs> so my question Ooh, is, and, and yet obviously, <laughs> obviously, I mean, to me, it was just being like. I was into culture. Yeah. I was literate and into yeah. culture, and that meant I wasn't the Neanderthal that straight boys all were. Yeah. But can you talk to me about, like, why are – I didn't even know Golden Girls were a gay thing until about two years yeah. ago. I, to me, it was just like, well, there was wit on that show. Yeah. And why is – what is it that's going on with certain aspects of culture that make them gay? I actually asking. don't think it's a gay thing, and, and I think one of the reasons and, – and maybe I'm inferring maybe some of your childhood, but I think one of the reasons why – minorities in general sort of respond to things like the Golden Girls or performers like Bette Midler or Barbara Streisand, et cetera, the sort of the gay icons, quote unquote. It's not because they're any gay. They're not gay inherently in any way, shape or form. It's that society has demoted these types of people for whatever reasons. You know, if the Golden Girls, they are women of a certain age, they are desexualized, they are not regular human beings. So they are able to get away with storylines that, are really kind of out there and fun. And they're able to have a gay roommate because, well, no one's watching these women for sex appeal, so they can, of course, they're living with a gay guy or they go on a weird sex adventure on a holiday or whatever. Like, they're able to get away with things because society, the patriarchy, has desexualized them. Bette Midler, she's not a conventionally looking, attractive looking woman. She has a quality to her that's sort of off a little bit. And and she's worked that into her routine that she is this fierce you know, independent, very sort of body person who's like, well, if you don't think I'm pretty, whatever, I'm doing these crazy things. I'm pretty. And somebody who maybe doesn't feel that they've accepted in society in sort of the stereotypical larger sense of what it means to be perfect responds to that. And that's what makes them so popular is that like they're experiencing the same truth you're experiencing. And I think that's what the Golden Girls is. And I think that's what a lot of these gay icons and many of them Jewish are Fanny Bryce, which is, you know, Barbara Streisand's character in Funny Girl. Like you look back to what she was doing on stage and on the radio and then eventually kind of in film too and television. Like she was creating, yeah, it's a stereotype, but she was uh, she was personifying it. She was identifying it. She was the one really pushing it. And for a woman to have that kind of control and to really create her own caricature of herself and her own identity, that's pretty that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Shit, yeah. What else we got? Mm-hmm. Boom, oh mic God. drop. Yeah, Wait, we got seriously. <laughs> we hear you were just on Ellen. I was. How was that? It was great. It was an amazing. Oprah was there. Wait, Oprah, Oprah knows you? We, yeah, well, I sat 10 feet from her. She, she saw was, a video. She was of, a guest on Ellen? Yeah. Is that was, what Oprah's was, doing now? The, the episode, a guest on she's Ellen? a guest on Ellen. I know, it's a role reversal. <laughs> no, she, they, uh, they, they did a 20th anniversary special of Ellen's coming out. It's, 
been 20 oh. years. And they reunited the cast of that episode, which Oprah was on with Laura Dern and the regular cast. And, stuff. and you as a 12-year-old, you were there? Me as a 12-year-old, I was a cast. On, I was on the... No, they, they had this really touching segment about people who were sort of had a really interesting experience watching Ellen's coming out and what that was like. And I was so terrified to watch it in front of anyone so we t- I took the portable television um, down to my room with the headphones and I watched the coming out episode because I didn't want anyone knowing what I was that's I had a TV. great scene in the movie of your life it's yeah. like yeah. 12 year old right. H. Allen goes down I was so embarrassed earbuds I was 14 little... I didn't know what to do and I wanted to see it because I loved Ellen like I was obsessed with Ellen and I mean what, what did you think would happen what, what was the nightmare scenario? people would know people would know that I was they gay would look at if your face I... and be like look at the way he's looking yeah he's probably gay well yeah, because there's an association that you have. If someone else acknowledges it, then that means someone could question you. Right. And 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 that's what it was. I mean, she was acknowledging it. And if I acknowledged that I wanted to watch that, in some way that kind of made me gay. And so I didn't want to acknowledge that. And And then I watched it. And I remember my mom said something afterwards that was just like, it broke my heart then. And because it was just so sweet. And to her, it was like nothing. Like it, it's not something she would even remember ever saying. But I went upstairs after watching the episode. I lived in the basement. And um, I, I said, my mom said, oh, did you watch Ellen's episode of her coming out? And I said, no, 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 no. Like deeper No, voice. Sports, yes, sports, no, sports, sports, yeah. football. Duke <laughs> was playing the Yankees. I don't even know what that means. And, and, uh, and she said, you should have. It was brave. And it was just like, oh. for me, Aww. it was a moment of like, mom, mom. But mom. I couldn't say anything. It was, and that's, that I think. For me, that's a profound feeling. If mom wants to convert, by the way, we could. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. Mom right sounds I know. pretty Jewish. My mom is pretty awesome. She's yeah. very cool. But um, it was profound. In you that, and like, your mom are both invited to Shabbat dinner at my house. Yay! For real. For real. Can we for listen real. to Bette Midler afterwards? Totally. Yeah. Live at last. Great album. Um, yeah. No, it was a beautiful moment. Um, they're making a movie about your life. Yeah, they are. It's called Latter. Uh, it's weird. Latter Day Jew. Uh, so people thought. It was. I was interesting, and they were like, Crazy. "Let's do a documentary." And I was like, "I'm game." And are they? <laughs> how much are they following you around? Like, how much uh, are you live stream? Are there cameras in every room of your no, one room apartment? No, there's definitely not cameras in every room. <laughs> Is there a camera in the room or of your apartment? It's going to be a really sad movie because it's just going to be me sitting there petting my cat <laughs> Fraser. Um, no, uh, no, they're 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 filming certain things. So it, basically, it's about me getting ready for my bar mitzvah, and before getting ready for my bar mitzvah, it's asking sort of. The questions about what it means to be Jewish in 2017, what it means to be a Jew by choice, what what are some of the things the Jewish community right now is talking about that that in some way maybe and because I, I feel like an outsider, so like an outsider's perspective might I have a lot of questions and maybe it's good to have those questions asked and then perhaps the larger Jewish community will enjoy hearing the responses I get to some of those questions. Am I right that if people give a certain... Okay, people want to donate to yes. the documentary, they go to latterdayjew.com, yes, .org, to latterdayjew.com, .net, .jew. .com, latterdayjew.com, support, slash support. You can right. go there and go directly to the fundraising page, and you can become an investor or like donate, and it's a tax-deductible donation because we've partnered with a really great organization that's based in Los Angeles called JQ, and it's a, um, it's a Jewish sort of queer organization that helps a lot of different people, but especially within like... The Orthodox community, and in general, it's just sort of a open LGBT. Um, so, like, can, what's the best thing you get if you give? Like, can you come to the party? Yeah. So, like, at, at a one thousand dollar level, you can get invited to the bar mitzvah, which is like 
I don't have that kind of money. Like, that's <laughs> impressive. If you do and you want to come to that bar mitzvah, I would love that. I'm, I'm not a natural fundraiser, and it feels strange to, like, ask people to support this. But for me, my goal with this film is I want it to be a love letter to Judaism, and I want it to be a love letter to diversity, and I want it to be a love letter to empathy. But meanwhile... If that ain't your cup of tea, we can listen to your Golden Girls podcast. Right? Yeah, you can. You can. I also do an, I do two podcasts. I do a Golden Girls podcast and I do a true crime podcast called Talking Crime where uh, I solve, me and a, my co-host solve cases as we watch documentaries. And it, is the Golden yeah. Girls podcast, do you go through, are you doing every episode? Every or? episode. We're on season five right now. It's called Out on the Lanai. And we essentially, it's like mystery science theater for Golden Girls. It's so good. Yeah. We just, we just sort of do weird things with the Golden Girls. Who's your favorite? I don't have one. That's very hard for me to answer. But I will say the golden girl that I am, I'm more of like a rose with a rising Dorothy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. What is your golden takeaway from like this, this I interview? I love that you know my golden takeaway. That is a out on the lanai staple for me. And I am giddy that you just asked me that. My golden takeaway from this interview <laughs> is that I think I might have like a new husband that has is already married to a woman, which is a very awkward situation. You but get very four 2017. kids out of it. Very 2017. Four kids, a dog, yeah. and a cat. Yeah. You get another oh, cat. Oh my heart! You, you buy the Fraser and Franny. Yeah. Oh. The cats would be so happy together. They would, as cats usually are. No, my golden takeaway is I'm really, I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you so much for having We're me. We're grateful to have you Thank in you. every sense. Oh. Thank you. Uh, the mail, the mailbox is, is filling up again. The future is mail. All right. Hi, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. My boyfriend introduced me to it after an episode where you read a note from Paula's brother that was letting folks know that she was graduating from JTS and someone should hire her. Here at Beth Shalom in Seattle, we hired her. Rabbi Paula Rose is coming to work with us in Seattle. See Unorthodox Works Miracles. Thank you, Rachel Wachtel, Congregation Beth Shalom, Education and Youth Director. So we get this people is amazing. jobs. Yeah, we said somebody out there has to hire Congregation Beth Shalom. And she's going to Seattle. God so bless awesome. you. So, so awesome. Much fun. That was she's basically the Jewish Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to have a talk show in Seattle. Totally. <laughs> Paula and Rachel, I would watch your talk show any, any, anytime. Any day. Two more quick letters. Dear Unorthodox, I was disappointed by the fawning over Michael Knowles and his gag book. It was an unoriginal idea. A while back, I was given the book President George W. Bush's Greatest Achievements by Seymour Bollocks, which was a book of blank pages. I was disappointed by the gift because I actually like reading. So Knowles' idea was not original whatsoever, although publishers obviously thought it valuable, and he's living off his opportunism quite nicely. Anyway, love the show as a Catholic listener in Queens, Dominic Francesi, Jackson Heights, New York. Dominic, first of all, that's that's a great Gentile listener name, Dominic Francesi. Like, if yep. we're getting the Dominic Francesis from Queens— We're good. We're good. We're good. Also— Dominic, get us 50 more Catholics <laughs> by— <laughs> And then next week. then the best letter maybe ever. We've it's said like this before. It's like saying 50 Hail Marys. Get us 50 new Catholic <laughs> listeners by next week and all is forgiven. And we'll Straight send, to heaven. We'll send you a tote bag. You'll get a tote bag and eternal salvation. That's right. And now, now, 
the letter we've all been waiting for. Hi, Mark, Liel, and Stephanie. I wanted to send you a quick note and ask you for a favor. My fiance, Jason, and I are avid listeners of your podcast. Every Saturday morning as part of our Shabbos ritual, we lie in bed and listen to your podcast. It's our favorite way to start our weekend together and by far the best way to wake up. We are getting married in two weeks, and I was hoping you may potentially be able to send out a mazel tov. It would be a great surprise for him in the morning before our wedding. Thanks, Aaron Eisman, Calgary, Alberta. So first of all, Aaron, we're coming on the honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> All three of us are just going to be there in bed like, with if, you. If you think us on a Saturday morning is nice, <laughs> have us all in bed with you. Always on a Saturday see, morning. Sing. That would be amazing. <laughs> to me, that is actually my nightmare. To be like in my bed. <laughs> to wake and up to Saturday hear morning. You guys. Like, I'd be like, hey, ah! sup, Stephanie. <laughs> be like, get out of my Get out, get of, my out of my bed. Mazel tops, Liel? What you I got? would like to extend. A very warm and hearty mazel tov to Emil Ben Shimon and Shlomit Nechama, who directed an amazing movie opening in New York next week. I think it's premiering at the JCC Film Festival called The Women's Balcony, which I guarantee is the best feel-good movie that you will ever see this year or any other year. You should go see it. It's a charming, charming little tale of a, of a small community of women in Jerusalem who smashed the patriarchy in their local synagogue. They, oh, they yeah. break the patriarchy. They do. A movie that's actually respectful of, you know, community and religion and traditional values and not, you know, portrays them as caricatures. Stephanie. Okay. I have a really big mazel tov this week to Ruben Cohen and Juliana Storch, who are getting married on Sunday. They listen. Both their parents listen. <gasps> like, we got listeners on the Upper East Side and in Phoenix, thanks to them. We got the and corners covered. I'm so excited to, to, find, to like, meet everyone and see everyone. And, like, you know, we got fans there. Um, but I'm so excited for them. They're great people. Wait, um, you're going to meet them and see them? I'm going to be at the wedding. Oh, you know them? Yeah, Ruben and Juliana are my friends. Oh, okay. I, and I, then both their parents and are listeners. And now their parents are friends, so like, too. Like, I don't know. I Amazing. email with Ruben's dad regularly. Yeah, Ruben Cohen was Ben Cohen's old roommate. Remember, That's it was right. very confusing. Ruben Cohen. Yeah, Ruben Cohen. Benjamin Cohen were. Right. And Juliana's amazing. She And we're just, I'm so excited. Great. Where's uh, the wedding? Um, at a synagogue in um, in Manhattan. A nice. Logbomer wedding. Very excited. Oh, very nice. And my Mazel Tovs, a whole bunch, a whole gallery of Mazel Tovs. One is to Eliana Goldstein, who's graduating from Washington University in St. Louis on May 19th. Uh, she is a history and German major with a minor in linguistics. It's like she's ready to come on unorthodox with us, basically. My brother Daniel had a birthday. My mother Joanne had a birthday. And my brother Jonathan graduates this week from the University of Minnesota with degrees in social work and public policy. Uh, I'm sure my sister Rachel also did something cool this week and my dad and you know it basically go team Oppenheimer Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com our show is edited by Noah Levinson and produced by Alyssa Goldstein and Shira Talushkin rabbinic supervision this week by Rabbi Rachel Wachtel kosher slaughtering by the FCC find Tablet Magazine on Facebook we are all over Twitter and Instagram Stephanie is on Instagram at sputnik Uh, we're on Twitter at liel at markop1 at stuffism Um, Alyssa Goldstein is on Twitter at book underscore moth and our music is by Golem, and we record in Argo Studios, which never, ever mansplains. We are proud to be part of the Panoply Network. Happy ongoing Omer and Shalom, friends.